Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I'm your host, Josh Starr, and joining me this week is Matt. Matt, how you been? Doing good. How about you? I'm doing all right. Uh, Very excited for this week's episode, and we're going to dive right into it pretty quickly here because we have Adam Rose, writer of the upcoming comic Corollary, to talk with, and we're going to get a quick break in for our friends at the Sugar Coated Murders podcast. So we'll be right back. Hey, Ann Barner. Hey, Karen Beatty. We need a promo. You know, like where we talk about what we do on our podcast. On our Sugar Coated Murder podcast? Like how we love to bake and talk about murder? That's what we need to talk about. There you go. I think we've talked about it. Y'all find us on all your favorite listening apps. Stay sweet. And don't murder. Because if you kill people, we will talk about you. And we're back. Thank you again for your patience. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that spot from our friends at Sugar Coated Murders. But we have a very fun episode here for you this week. We have the writer of the upcoming miniseries, Corollary, uh, Adam Rose. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm great. Uh, thank you for having me. And, you know, I had to wear my my nod to Voltron today for this. I was trying to figure <laughs> out what what comic related shirt to wear. And I'll, you know what? This and not I don't want to get like tangential here, but I, I I paused when I thought about wearing my red sun Superman because of what's going on right now. I was like, you know what? There's something off about that now. I gotta admit it. So, anyways, <laughs> I'll be I, right uh, back. You know, Sorry, I know this is a an audio medium, but I'll be right back. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's he's got a prop for us, maybe. Yeah, right. Oh, I do have a that. prop. I've got a yellow Voltron. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's the new Voltron, but I got one. Hey, that's awesome. You know, speaking of new versus old, and I really regret not having this, and this will date myself because I had it up until like college, and then I just had my mom get rid of it. But I had a life, well, not life size. <laughs> <laughs> A, a story tall yeah a godzilla <laughs> that's this big and its arm shot off oh man <laughs> it shot flames it was gorgeous that's but, the dream um, when you're a kid what the heck was yeah. that what's that transformer that's the giant city i can't metroplex megaplex yes I met, yeah one of those names i had one of those i did not i i was not a big transformers kid but my parents bought me one of those. And that thing was like the coolest dang thing ever. It was like two and a half feet tall. And when you opened it up, it was like three feet wide. It was incredible. Oh man. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I could talk nostalgia toys all day with you guys. <laughs> Our friends at the Unchefed podcast would love that shirt. I saw that shirt and I was just like, Oh, I want it. Where'd you get it? <laughs> <laughs> So you have a comic book coming out on uh, as of right now on April 20th uh, called yeah. Corollary. I'm going to go through the synopsis that's available on the Previews World magazine right now. Sure. And then we're going to kind of dive into this. So in a galaxy filled with twin moons, twin suns, and twin planets, everything comes in twos, even the people. And if your twin dies, so do you. This is the way it's always been. So when Captain Andromeda's twin loses her life in a far off military battle, and Captain Andromeda does not die. Needless to say, the universe demands answers, answers that the captain is willing to give, to the highest bidder, of course. 
This is Corollary, a four-issue bombastic sci-fi romp, which if that doesn't grip you, I don't know what will. I read that synopsis and I was like, yes, please, let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. And, and uh, you know, uh, it's Corollary is a, is a tough word to say and you nailed it there. So that <laughs> I, I will admit that a couple of times I'm like culinary, was it culinary? No, it's cor cor Corollary. Yes, I, I caught myself. Series. Yeah, culinary. <laughs> that would be a different comic. But that, would know, our, that would be our that would be our unchefed friends going for yeah. that one again. <laughs> yeah, no, that that you just uh, well you summed it up there. I mean, it's um, it's it is action packed. I mean, in every I, my goal was to make like every page one that you're dying to turn to see what happens next. As far as my like the way I like paced it out in my mind, but at the same time, I also wanted you to care about these characters. I wanted you to care about Andromeda and what happened to her sister and just it's a, it's a galaxy the premise you know there's a lot of wiggle room because you know i realized well does, does that mean i automatically have to have everyone with their twin at all times no of course not so you might see somebody independent of their twin and wonder what's going on there and then i even realized and you know this story has a beginning middle and end but the sandbox i feel like i have here is pretty huge because Imagine, you know, I thought about, well, maybe there are some pretty malicious or selfish twins out there that are afraid that their twin is too clumsy. So they like maybe they, they, they like put them in a padded room somewhere and keep them sedated or maybe, you know, like a darker, a darker way to look would be something like if somebody um, really just had enough of it all. So instead of and they didn't have the courage to end themselves, they go after their twin. So yeah, anyways, I mean, that, those are like just kind of the, the rules of the world that I've just thought a lot about. But for, you know, our characters, it does play a role. And yeah, the whole galaxy is kind of dying to know how did they survive this? How did she survive? And she's kind of um, earning money going planet to planet as like a spokesperson for how she did. And then we, you know, early on, we find out that she's also motivated um, not just, I mean, it appears as if she's kind of a self-absorbed, uh, money-grubbing kind of person, but then we, you know, her heart shows through because there are bigger motives for why she's doing all this. And the first issue ends, I hope, in a way that everyone's going to like be just begging for the second one to come because it reveals a lot of big information that explains a lot and tells, gives us a little more empathy for her because, you know, if you can't care about your main character, then it's going to be a tough slog. And she's, she does, she's a complicated person. And, you know, and the people that she cares most about, they, they, they've helped shape her to be who she is. She sounds like she's got a little bit of a Han Solo thing going on. You, she's a little bit of a scoundrel, but with a heart of gold. That is perfect. Yes, I would say. And I'll take that compliment all day for her because I love Han. Um, yeah, and I'd also, you know, if you want to go old influences, Buck Rogers. And when I say Buck, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not familiar enough with the old comics. I'm familiar with the 80s uh, TV series Buck. And I think that Buck has a lot in common with Han. I wonder if, uh, you know, when he was doing his homework for that role, he th thought about Harrison Ford like a few, a few years before him. But yeah, she's, she's swashbuckling. I mean, she has a military background and we find that out pretty quickly that there is this kind of backstory rift between these two pretty significant uh, planetary players. 
And, but we also get just glimpses. Every page you see different. And, and Rob, uh, Rob Ahmad, the artist, like when I would throw ideas at him, I mean, there's a courtroom scene um, without giving much away that I wanted the defense attorney to be um, a anthropomorphic vase, like a giant talking vase. And that's, <laughs> you know, that, that took some, some, some explaining. And then, you know, there's, there's in the first issue, um, we see her on her way to her next gig and she does stop to do something uh, unselfish, generous, because uh, she gets called called in um, by these floating dinosaur planet or dinosaur si dinosaur cities. There are these just giant floating dinosaurs with cities on their backs, and she's asked to uh, help them out with a, a kind of veterinarial uh, issue for one of the dinosaur cities. That all sounds amazingly cool. And uh, the speaking of Robert Ahmad, I did want to ask: How did you guys come to the? Uh, decision on the art style because uh, to me it has a very Saturday morning cartoon look which I mean that entirely as a compliment but again obviously the story is very mature and it has all of these grand ideas behind the universe as well so the the art style complementing the the themes of the story just seemed very interesting to me I love it when a story and the the art kind of they're not necessarily contradict but they you wouldn't think they would go together. And then as you read and get invested in the story, you think, oh yeah, this totally goes. Yeah, no, um, Rob and I met through another artist who just, when I told, I described the story to them, they said, oh, you got to talk to Rob, uh, but you're going to, you know, you're going to have to kind of sell him on it because you know, he doesn't know who you are. And so, you know, I, and Rob lives in England um, and I, I just uh, reached out to him and he's like, send me the premise, send me the, you know, the synopsis. And I did, and he's like, I'm in. Uh, which was just awesome from the get-go. And then, you know, we, we started smaller thinking, oh, you know what? I mean, this is a big, big idea, big story. Let's try for uh, something, like kind of a small version of this. And we were thinking along the lines of like 2000 AD future shocks and um, so, like submitting a, a small version as we worked on the larger one. And that, that original version, um, his style was a little more, sketchy i would say a little more um cerebral looking and then you know we kind of went back to page one and he's like i you know and he he's the one that insisted on this he's like you know i think i have a slightly different take on this now that i've gotten to know these characters and that's when like i feel and i you know i, I know this is these are this is a big name to say but i mean it in the most deferential way but bruce tim's style uh, a, a Batman animated series kind of came out um, with what he did um, again. And then the big, big leap to layer on top of his style was um, the experimenting with watercoloring it by hand. And he, Rob did that for the first three of the four issues. And then he got fried and was very honest about it. And he recommended this incredible colorist and Gabby came in and was able to mimic his style of watercoloring digitally for the fourth issue. Was that all his idea, the, the watercoloring? Yeah, he was just, I, I, I mean, I wasn't, um, I mean, he, he brought it up for the cover. And then I was like, I said, well, you know, that's so cool looking. Let's, uh, I mean, it's, I just haven't seen that in a, in a comic. And I just thought, 
and um, as well got encouraged by Source Point Press, um, Josh and Cameron there. We just said, you know, there's something going on here that we have not seen before, or at least I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but not like this, not with not matching as you kind of just you know brought up earlier, matching this kind of crazy action science fiction storyline, and then but so he he did the interiors, and we were hooked because you know even early on I was like, oh maybe it'll just be certain pages that we do it that way for like certain you know maybe that's just what happens when Andromeda's in this kind of mood or whatever, but no, it just made sense for this galaxy. This galaxy is a watercolored galaxy. Cool, that's awesome. If you have any questions, Matt, go ahead. I've got a few more, but I, I feel like I'm hogging the questions. No, I was I was going to ask. Um, you know, we we checked out a, a book of yours called um, Playground, uh, which was which was super fun. You know, but I'm getting the sense that that that's more like an all ages book. You know, kids on a playground, the bad guys, the principal, all that uh, yeah. kooky stuff. So. Would you say that this is uh, sort of a shift away from that kind of thing where it's a little more adult oriented? Absolutely. I mean, well, kind of yes and yes. Um, <laughs> so Playground was, yeah, it was always geared to be a middle grade. I'd, I'd say even below like all, all ages, middle grade comic, um, like for like a, t- a target audience of first through fourth graders or something. Sure. And yeah, the con- the premise for that, I, I just... Um, I still think is kind of fun is what if somebody had all the powers of the playground, if they place freeze tag, it's real. If they play Simon says you're compelled, you know, so that, that was the simple premise there and just kind of going against a really mean candy obsessed uh, principal with candy <laughs> abilities. So that one, and I also just wanted that one to have like a slight encouragement for like kid, like a message of like, Hey kids, get off the iPads, go outside. Sure. Um, that was going to end, you know, eat your broccoli without shoving it down their throats. Uh, but yeah, now corollary, I, the reason I said yes and yes to you is um, it is definitely geared towards adults, but it also does fall under the all ages umbrella, meaning like the way, the way I think the Guardians of the Galaxy does. Sure. I mean, I think a fifth grader can pick up Guardians of the Galaxy and be totally fine. Yeah, there's a little bit of violence. Yeah, sometimes they even show some blood but it doesn't have like an MA rating on it. And that's what corollary is. So it is, it still fits under that umbrella, but yeah, there'll be some pages of some violent action sequences. Um, But I think that's the other thing. Um, I really do believe kid, like punching down to kids in storytelling is never the right idea. Like look at Hunger Games. If people talked about that premise before the book came out, they'd be like, well, you're encouraging kids to kill each other. That's terrible. You can't do that. And that's too violent. And kids, we can't, that's, you can't make a book like that for kids. Wrong. Yeah. You need to, like, kids are always looking like slightly above them or even more so. Like if you're in sixth grade, you're 12, you want to know what the 17, 18 year olds are up to or the 16 year olds, you want to know what their world's about. You don't want to know about your world. And it, you know, it keeps going up like that, I think. So corollary, I mean, it's great for like people our age and it's great for like uh, kids as well. Great. Awesome. So kind of following up on that, um, one thing that kind of, and I, I don't mean this to just say like, to mean a bad thing, but like one of the things that we we've been talking about in our talking smack group is doing things 
to kind of signify that you are, oh, we're an indie movie because this guy's smoking pot and he's a loser, but he's our protagonist. Uh, you know, it's a Seth Rogen movie because you're the. <laughs> um, <laughs> great impression. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Um, so, like with indie comics, you get a lot of that too. Like, you get a lot of f bombs and other things right up front, uh, just to be like, we're indie, we're pushing it. We're not Marvel. We're not DC. Right. How far does your book push those sort of things? Oh, you know, it's funny you bring that up because uh, I. When I was writing it, and it wasn't even like I was thinking, I mean, I didn't, when I wrote it, I just, I wrote it because the story was like, it was in me and I had to get it out. And I wasn't even thinking about the audience just yet. Maybe that was not the right thing. But when it came to cursing, uh, and this was so funny you're bringing this up because I did, I had my Battlestar Galactica moment. And I don't know, (laughs) let me explain what I mean by that. I mean. You got to be fracking kidding me, man. Yes. What the frack is going on around here? Hold on a centon. <laughs> so, so I I played with that, okay? And I realized I was gambling there because it was fun to me, but I know and you know in the parlance of kids today, that could be cringe. Yeah. But I, you know, I think it's fun. So no, there is no outright swearing, but there is swearing just in their gal- galactic lingo. Okay, that, that's really cool. I like that a lot. That that shows some creativity as well to me. So that is very cool. But you were talking about how the story was in you and you needed to get it out, uh, which anyone who listened to last week's episode, which as we're recording this has not been released, so neither of you have heard it. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of what I had to do with my Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode that came out last week is there's a discussion there that I really wanted to have. And again, thank you to Rainey from the Red Dove podcast for coming on. Uh, but what's the inspiration for you for the story that you just had to get it out? Well, well, I guess it started with my daughter when she was about, uh, she was five and a friend of hers, she knew was suddenly going to have twin siblings. And she just, as I'm like putting her to bed, she says, you know, daddy, like if, a, you know, the tw- if a twin is, you know, gets tickled, will the other one laugh? And then my comic book, you know, drenched mind took that to a crazy, darker, violent place as I was, <laughs> I was like, wow, yeah, you know, and you know, not, not that that's original as far as, like, you know, there's like even studies on twins feeling and, and having vibes of different, you know, each other. I have cousins who are twins, um, Jake and Alex, they're like young, young adults now, but you know, when, when they were in there, you know, they probably got sick of it, but even when they, you know, at, at holiday parties or whatever, when they were even as young as 10 or as old as 15 or so, I was like the, uh, the older cousin that would come over to them and say, Hey, you know, I'm just curious, like, you know, when you guys, like when you were in Chicago and you were in New York, did you ever like have a moment where you both were on the same page about something? And they said, yes. I mean, they, they were like, okay, enough of the twin questions, but they said, yes, sometimes <laughs> that there was something to that. So I've, I guess I've always been fascinated by it. And then as far as just the storyline of Corollary going into this galactic version of this, uh, once I had a hold of who Andromeda was, I, I knew where she needed to go and I knew who her family was. And we, we find out a lot about all of them early on. And it just kind of, you know, I guess once I get a hold of an idea uh, that I feel this strongly about, uh, I, I have to see it all the way through. Um, like I just, I'm like almost finished with a new script for a comic that I'm really excited about uh, down the road here. That's totally different vibe. It's like a, a detective fantasy noir. 
Um, but that's that's my jam right there. <laughs> oh well, cool. I mean, I'm I'm excited about that, and uh, actually, um, I don't want to put uh, the, the cart before the horse on this, but I think um, I'm hoping to be working with um, the artist Magenta King. If you have you read uh, Dark Horses Jenny Zero or heard about I've it? I've not read it, but I've seen. Yeah, so he. I mean, I, we've been it. talking about working together, and what, this might be something we we get we link up on. But um, yeah, so as far as corollary goes, the story just kind of, I mean, it took like a good, you know, year and a half to really get all four issues written and mapped out and then even just revisions and whatever. And then once even Rob was on board um, and his style kind of made me go back through and change things um, along the way. So even through the process, uh, the story would develop all the way up till um, DC Hopkins, who is the letterer, and he's a pro's pro. I mean, this, you know, this book is like one of hundreds or thousands for him. And he's, he does the big two, he does everybody. And his patience with me, even at that stage, like I, there would be times I'd see it all mapped out with, with um, my dialogue on a couple pages. And I'd be like, you know what, DC, you're going to kill me, but I'm going to tweak a few things here. I mean, it didn't happen often, but it did sometimes happen. And he didn't kill me. I'm still here. <laughs> even you know so even to that to that stage but you, you know rob as far as the art and writer connection he was awesome about giving me thumbnails and even then i would like go back and say oh yeah this fight sequence or this action sequence out in space this needs a couple more beats like i you know and i would I, so the script was kind of a living breathing organism that that i that didn't really get done until uh you know dc had it final finalized and the editors at source point are like, yeah, this is great. It's really cool to hear that they worked with you and let you make those changes so far into the game. Uh, you hear so many stories about it's deadline. It's whatever you have. It's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, DC like was, he's, he was a pro as far, I mean, when it came to that stage, it only, I mean, it happened like, like, well, I guess one page per issue um as as far as that so that was a quick turnaround as far as what needed to happen and then yeah with with rob it was really you know we've been together on this book for like two years as far as him like starting from issue one through issue four and i guess actually the heart of it all was the pandemic or well not, not that we're out of the pandemic but i mean just during the heaviest times of it this kept me going uh to be quite honest i mean you know it was a distraction that i really needed feel that definitely uh yeah. that's that's part of why the we this podcast was uh inactive for like two years and that uh partly because i was in school so that kind of took up a lot of my time and then once school was done i was like i need something to occupy my time and so we we started this back up and i've been extraordinarily grateful for the community and we've we've had some amazing outreach that when you reached out and you're like, Hey, you want to talk about my comic? And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> we don't get enough comic talk in here. So it we appreciate it. Um, <laughs> we removed the 40 minutes. Well, I appreciate on your, on your... you uh, letting me come on. <laughs> Sorry. I zoom was telling me that I was running out of time, but then they gifted me extra time. So I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> How nice but of them. Thanks. Thanks for interrupting me. <laughs> uh, Adam, you mentioned earlier um, that, you know, this is a something, something along the lines of this is a sort of the beginning of middle and an end but they created this whole world. Um, so is this something that you imagine yourself like going back to? Do you have been, you know, whether or not you have ideas or not, is this like a 
a sandbox oh, like to continue yes 100 percent. i would love to um and if it, when you get to the that last page of issue four you will say i hope you the reader will say <laughs> come on i mean yes i'm satisfied <laughs> the, the, the end landed you stuck the landing but i want to see what this is um, so it's it's a contained story that can transition into an ongoing if need yep. be yeah, oh, or yeah. if if demanded by matt and myself and everyone else that should be picking this up because again that premise is fantastic no thank you yeah and uh i mean i said brought up guardians as a as an influence uh early on that's a hint about kind of what that last page might make you like be like oh come on i i gotta see what that is so um you had meant we had talked a little bit about playground and uh it being a, a really fun story of like what happens when the games on the playground come come to life or you have the powers of the playground and now with this story what what influences you as a writer or a creator like uh we talked a little bit about um noir like that's that's one of ed brubaker's like bread and butters he can write noir like no one else and you you read a story and you're like oh, that's an ed brubaker story what what does adam rose bring to a story and what makes people go that's an adam rose story well wow that's uh i i consume as much as i can as a as a writer and a reader. I mean, I, and I always try to um, read various genres. Um, and, and I mean that like comics, yes, that's like my, my passion. It has been since I was eight, but fiction and plays. In fact, like I just heard about this play called the Lehman trilogy. That's like getting all these insane rave reviews. And it started as an, uh, a novel in verse I mean, it sounds crazy to me, but I'm like, that's so out of my wheelhouse. I want to know about that. So um, as far as like influences that, I mean, because that I feel like that's kind of how I, I want to approach the question you just gave me there. I, I'm influenced by in, like in the comics world, like I love, or um, just to name a few, like, you know, well, Grant Morrison would be like an older one, but um, I just picked up and I loved like immediately uh, Rogue Son. Yes, yes, I've oh, got good. I've got um, my variant copy and my my standard edition copy right right behind me. Yeah, like Ryan Parrot. I mean, that's amazing. Um, I I just also I've been digging Radiant Black. Um, there's a, a lot of new voices out there that I'm really jiving with and just think like just kind of speak to me in that area. But then yeah, I mean, uh, as far as like the the the, the detective noir or whatever. I mean, there's like this '70s classic that I read called Eddie Coyle. Uh, just, it's just this bleak novel that I, like Brubaker, I'm probably sure has been easily inspired by, or, you know, in speaking of like that, that kind of stuff, like, you know, those Parker graphic novels that are based on yes. the uh, detective novels. I love that stuff because I mean, I'm also a prose writer. Like I, I have a, I have a short story that is hopefully coming out uh, in the next month or so through a, through a literary journal. So I, you know, I, I, don't write in one 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 form strictly so that i mean i you know i also like i just finished writing a, a ya novel like a straight up novel that's like a suspense kind of thriller coming of age deal that i gotta like now go back through and and uh you know cut out the cut all the baloney out <laughs> but uh i yeah i mean i can't comics that's the other thing though as far as that when it comes to scripting a comic and I feel like with every single one that I write, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's becoming more just um, second nature to really just picture 
the turning of the page for the reader when I'm like, and just like having that moment where like, you know, I feel like the, the medium of comics is that one magical thing in, in our world that does exist as actual magic. Like what happens between the panels, like those gutters, like what in our brains are able to fill in like a $50 million budget scene between those gutters. And it's all yes and as far, that's another thing in my background, way back when I was um, big into improv, sketch comedy and improv was my other lifeblood. I mean, Bob Odenkirk, Mr. Show, if you're familiar with that stuff at all, I just read that David Cross and Bob Odenkirk and Bob Odenkirk's son are about to do an audible series about a fictional town in Ohio called something, something in the Argyles and it sounds hysterical and they're bringing back all the people from that. So, you know, my influence back then with improvisation is just like always yes and with my writing. Like there's, and especially in comics um, where there's no, there's no limit. Um, there, you know, I have a scene, I think it's an issue too, where there are these um, two celestial type beings arm wrestling and using a planet as their elbow rest. I mean, it's just... <laughs> I, I, I just, you, you're able to give yourself permission to do whatever you, whatever you want, as long as, obviously, as long as it serves the story. And then, you know, also, I've just learned as I've been writing for all these years, you have to care about the character. Like, you can uh, dress it up and have the most amazing special effects uh, or, you know, visuals you can ask for. But if you don't, if your reader doesn't care, then they're not going to stick with you. Yeah, finding a, a character that you care about is definitely a big thing. When we talked about Radiant Black, that was a big thing because they get you to care about Nathan initially, and then they pull the rug out from under you, and all of a sudden Marshall's the guy you have to yes. care about. And just like, whoa. And then uh, to your point, again, I don't mean to transition this into a gushing about Radiant Black and all that stuff, but if you read Supermassive, uh, if you have the physical copy, I do. there's that, that centerfold that folds out when they do their... Uh, for lack of a better word, they're morphing from the, the Power Rangers. They they get their powers back and then you just pull out to this like quadruple page, <clears throat> excuse me, this quadruple page of them transforming. And it just is so cool. And like, again, your brain just fills in the, the effects of what that looks yes. like. And it is just awesome. That's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's a thing that is like comics. Ma I, I'm basically all digital these days. Um, I just don't have room for all the, sure. <laughs> the paper anymore, but that's the kind of thing that you can't get. All this back here is my comics, and <laughs> plus I have some over there. That's the kind of thing you can't get on an iPad screen. You know, they try, but right. like, there's something about those rare occasions where you're like, oh, <laughs> it's like an eight-page pulled out. No, and you're right. I mean, I, I've finally been mixing digital in for myself. I have Marvel Unlimited. Um, I'm still all floppies for my, you know, Wednesday pulls on like main stuff, but I have been exploring Marvel Unlimited for the last like three months and I, and I dig it. Um, and I think, yeah, who, it's, that's an interesting question. I guess they, you know, they said the physical book, forget comic book, it was going to be dead with eBooks 10, 15 yep. years ago. That hasn't happened. So I, I hope there'll always be room for comics. Maybe, we're eventually seeing a transition away from the 22 page single issue. I mean, I could, I could see down the road, maybe that's going to like, you know, we're going to have go straight to trades. I don't know how that would work, but, um, and of course, you know, the wide world of Kickstarter, like that's become more than like 
people needing funding for things. It's like where people are going to do their comic book shopping. Yeah. Well, I remember when, you know, when DC went with the new 52, they were like, oh, we're releasing it all digitally. The day it comes out in print, people were like, it's over. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. And they're for now, they're hanging on. They're hanging on. And now, yeah, they all have their, their different, uh, like, you know, DC's not using Diamond now, or is it Marvel? I'm getting mixed up. I'm not sure if I think it was DC. Off, maybe, maybe it was both. I think it was DC that uh, skipped Diamond. And maybe it is both. I think you might be right, actually. I think I think it is DC, actually. Okay. I could be misremembering that, but. Times are a-changing. <laughs> as long as I say it confidently enough. Then it's true. Well, it's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you believe it enough. Yep. Yeah. So um, speaking of everything being collected into a trade, what made you decide to make this a, a mini series instead of like an OGN? I guess because of my love of like mini series or just con- like sync those floppy comics. Like I just always in source point, you know, when they uh, said yes to everything, they, they wanted to see this start out as like as a series. Um and I think, you know, maybe that's about, you know, their catalog and it just fit at the right time. I mean, eventually it will be a collected trade that will be available through them. And they have a partnership with like Barnes and Noble. And so hopefully, you know, it'll be something down the road. If people are trade waiting, um, they will get their chance. Very cool. I And uh, I'm always just curious about the the inside stuff. Like what, how was shopping the, the story around for you? How many different uh, independent publishers did you go to before someone picked it up or was it a relatively quick process well yeah um it was pretty quick i mean i know i went to a few places but i had a like a relationship with source point like i'd met them at cons and i you know i pitched them some other things before and you know in the middle of it all like they seem like the right fit for this story too like i liked what they were doing a lot i mean yeah i i also like you know i cold pitched to like image well, that's like, you know, going into a black hole, it feels like, I, you know, it's just, <laughs> I don't know what's happening on the other end. But I mean, granted, you know, as we're talking about Radiant Black and all this stuff, I mean, amazing work is coming out. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, so no, I, I pitched a few places and then uh, just source point came at the right time for me to be like, yeah, this, this is going to be where I want this to be. And then uh, one last piggyback kind of on that. Let me, let me take a moment to see if I can articulate this better. Were there any hurdles to get over when you said this is going to be a mini series where were there was there pushback to be like can we make this ongoing or was it this is a mini series this is great we're going to go with it no they were all on board for it to be a mini series i mean i guess if anything i you know there was a moment there where i thought it could have been five issues but then i i didn't i just kept that to myself and then i um and i crafted the story uh to be for it just made in the end it just made more sense because i wanted it to feel like a a sprint of action and i think i would have slowed it down too much with a fifth issue so i kept it that way and no source point was totally all on board for it and you know timing wise as far as releasing it uh, april 20th is the first issue they wanted to give it as much of a chance in a this quasi like people are actually out and about world we're sort of, you know, back into in some ways. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So it's, uh, they, they thought that this was the right time and just 
that would be the, a, a good pacing for it. In fact, yeah, I just found out like people up at, at Vancouver, there's like a big uh, comic expo that went on up there and um, somebody like went to one of their booths or heard about uh, Corollary and was all excited about it and, and posted on it on YouTube, which was awesome to hear. Very cool. Yeah, again, the, the premise is fantastic. Thank you, I appreciate it. That little snippet that they have there on previews just it, it it hooks you very well it it does what it needs to do and i i reached out to my comic shop immediately after reading that i'm like i'm interviewing this guy not that you need to know this but <laughs> i i also want this book now so please oh, add that to my list i appreciate that no that's great to hear i mean i guess if i mean we obviously we talked a lot about this book you mentioned you had a short story coming out like is there anything if people are interested with adam rose like is there anything else you can, got coming up that you want to talk about or um well you know or that you can talk to, about there yeah. is one thing that i can't talk about yet but i'm really excited about that uh it's more on the superhero movie side of life where i but i had to sign a couple of ndas to work sure. on it <laughs> so um I, I i will be very excited to get to tell you all about that because it's been a lot of fun to work on and that i'm hoping i'll get to say something about it maybe by the summer uh beyond that yeah no i mean i've had like you know a lot i some success with short stories getting published in literary journals here, there, and everywhere. So I suppose people could find them there. I, I'm like, my goal for the next month is to finally get my website built so I could, people have one, one place they could go to see this stuff. Um, yeah, and Playground is still out there and available. Marcosia Entertainment, that's the, um, coincidentally a British publisher and they, they're in charge of that, but it's, our, it's, it's on Amazon, it's on Barnes and Noble. I mean, it's still around here, there, and everywhere. And, um, you know, I'm excited about like this, that comic script that I said I just wrapped up and um, starting to get some early glimpses of the artwork from Magenta on. So that's got me really excited um, once we're ready to like, you know, start, you know, getting that out and, and see what, what happens with it. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, Adam, thank you so much for reaching out and giving us this opportunity to talk about Corollary. Final cutoff is March 20th, so make sure you reach out to your local comic shop or wherever you buy your comics. Get that ordered if you want the physical copy, if you want the digital. I believe that should be available. That would be on yeah. Comixology. Yep. Yep. And whatever other digital services is out there, we just know comic. I know Comixology because that's just what I use. Yeah. Um, but again, Adam, thank you, and I would love to have you on again to talk about your future projects. Just yeah, let us know what, what your availability. I'd be honored. Is. No, it's been awesome talking to you guys. Uh, I, this, this has been fun. I, comics are, Matt is the guy who got me into comics. So, um, it's his fault that we're doing this anyway. <laughs> I, thank you, Matt. Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. again, March 20th is that cutoff date. Uh, corollary is the book. Adam Rose is the writer. Look it up. It, it's fantastic. Adam, again, thank you for your time, Matt. Thank you for your time. Thank you for asking some really good questions and piggy letting me piggyback off those. And Adam, again, I look very much forward to this. And uh, hopefully, again, we can connect in the future and talk more about future projects. That'd be awesome. Thank you, guys. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Adam, do you have any social media that you want to put out there? I do. I do have the socials. I'm trying to get better at it. Uh, my Twitter is at AdamRose74. And then my IG, as they say, uh, Instagram, <laughs> it's at ShazamCap which I got Shazam before Cap. the Shazam movie. So, you know, I'm proud wow. of the fact that I have that little combo there. Make some money off that. Find the right, <laughs> right <buyer. laughs> Matt, I know you tend to try to make your 
uh, social media is private at times, so we're not going to push you on that. You can see me, you can find me on Twitter at Josh underscore Scar. You can follow the podcast at Talking Smack Pod uh, on Twitter as well. You can email the pod at tsmackpod at gmail.com. And if you want, you can like, subscribe, leave reviews. We don't ask for them too often just because, again, we only have a listenership of like maybe 20 to 60 people, depending on the episode. I'm hoping with the celebrity endorsement of Adam Rose here <laughs> that we can uh, get a few boosts. But this is going to be a really good episode, so I'm very excited for it. Please like, subscribe. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Good Pods, um, Anchor. (laughs) So uh, definitely look Adam up and get ready for some big things from him because, again, just from the, the premise of this and the things that he's got in the pipeline, it sounds like big things are coming his way. So we are very excited to see what happens. And thanks, everyone, for listening, and take care.